fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile We are so thrilled to welcome back for the second time one of the biggest, baddest fantasy wolves in the game, Mr. Establish the Runs, Evan Silva, at Evan Silva on Twitter. Evan's been crushing content over there for the Establish the Run draft guide that includes his team previews, sneaky stacks, tiers, top 150, which we're going to dive into tonight. And he's also been co-hosting a ton of shows with the Establish the Run podcast, fellow fantasy beast Adam Levitin. Just a great show, one of my favorite to listen to. Evan, thank you so much for giving me your time, especially in the heart of busy season right now, man. How are you doing? Wolf, I'm doing well. Um, You know, the preseason is now behind us. We've got sort of an extended period between the final preseason game and week one, uh, eight days until the Thursday night NFL opener, but still, you know, what, uh, 11 days or so until um, uh, the actual first Sunday. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see because we usually don't have that much separation behind the uh, the final preseason game and the, and the first Sunday. Are we going to see, you know, some more trades before right. uh, week one? I, I think that we'll probably see a few. Um, and certainly uh, over the next couple of days, we'll be monitoring all the waiver claims and, and who gets placed on IR, the short term IR to begin the season. There's still a lot of movement exactly. uh, ahead of us. Exactly right. It seems like there shouldn't be much to happen. And we know like Deshaun Watson or some sort of bomb right. is just going to drop and just explode everything that uh, goes on in the fantasy world for sure. Uh, but yeah, we're going to dive into, I'm so pumped to dive into at least how it stands today, your top 150 big board. I also do a big board every year and I love to cross compare. Uh, we did that last year. I thought it was one of the most useful exercises, certainly one of our most well-reviewed podcasts. So greatly mm-hmm. appreciated for last year. I'm so excited to do it again. We'll dive into some of your boldest calls, the ones I agree with, some I might feel different about, all that good stuff. And everybody out there, if you don't mind, if you like what you're hearing, just giving this the thumbs up, helping us get out to more people before we dive in. It'd be so appreciated so consider doing that i just want to make sure to pump as well that establish the run draft guide you can see the link down there on the bottom line but make sure you check that out the top 150 tiers team previews it's all just so good and you can get it you know for only 35 bucks but if you also go in there you get 10 bucks to underdog if it's your first time it's 25 you get the draft kit for free so even though i know we're a little late in the fantasy season if you have any drafts left it is such a worthy investment um, so, yeah, let's just dive right in, Evan. And I wanted to start with your one of my favorite parts of your draft kit is the running log you keep with the, the ups and downs and everything that's mm-hmm. changing in your rankings and expl- explanations as to why. So why don't we start with who's been some of the biggest, maybe one to two risers throughout training camp and preseason on your top 150? Well, uh, I would say Justin Fields right now uh, has, has risen quite a bit. And, I, you know, I. I mean, he he has all he's moved into like the uh, the Aaron Rodgers tier. Uh, so yeah. he's, he's at the bottom of the Aaron Rodgers tier, but he is in that tier with Justin Herbert and Russell Wilson. Um, but he, I think that you know, if you look at the Bears' schedule and the way that it sets up, and I think that Andy Dalton is just going to get the crap kicked out of him in Week One yeah. uh, against the Rams behind a, a, a swinging gate offensive line on the road. Um, you know, the, the Bears will have an opportunity to drop in Justin Fields week two at home against the Bengals. Mm. And then they go on the road to Cleveland and the Cleveland defensive line is a, another major mismatch for the Bears offensive line. So maybe uh, the Bears will hold out through week three. But by week four at home against the Lions, I think we're going to see Justin Fields on the field. The Bears are probably not going to have one more than one of their first three games. Um, and they're going to, you know, I mean, everyone there is still on the hot seat. I mean, they did make, make this bold move up that I think that, you know, everyone really approved of, um, the, the observers approved of to go get Justin Fields, but everyone is still on the hot seat in the Chicago front office, in the Chicago coaching staff, they are going to need like playmakers and Justin Fields is their number one playmaker. They're, they're really thin on offense at the skill positions. You know, if, if, you know, Darnell Mooney goes down like they're looking at Marquise Goodwin as their number two receiver. Marquise Goodwin, his best sport isn't even football on defense. Their secondary has been 
just hatcheted. Um, their, their secondary is a problem. They've got some players up front, but you know, the, the deeper that you go into their defense, the worse their, their defense gets. And that's a problem in today's NFL. So uh, I think they're going to be, they're, they're going to be in desperation mode no sooner than week four. And so I think we see Justin Fields start uh, w- within that time frame. I mean, you had the Konami upside when he finally takes over. I think he ran the fastest 40 besides Michael Vick and RG3 at the QB position of all time. There, there's, and we've seen it on display all preseason. What's he up to now? Like 92 rushing yards on 11 carries, 276 passing yards and two TDs and just about four quarters of action a full game. That's 34 fantasy points. I know it's come against backups, but still he's showing everything you want to see. So I'm with you 100%. He's been flying up my board. And that was actually a talking point I had saved for later, but I'm happy to continue to dive in here. I noticed you also have Trey Lance in your top 10 as well. So two guys that are non-starters, but inside your top 10, I love it. I, I'm, I'm in full agreement with you on that one. What's kind of the, the reasoning behind that? I've been preaching that to my followers all along, but it certainly doesn't hurt to hear it from the king himself. Why do you have these guys so high, even if they're not guaranteed starting roles from the start? Well, because I think that once they get in there, they're going to be you know, inarguable difference makers. I mean, Kyle Shannon, we just talked about Justin Fields. Justin Fields can be playing with his hair on fire and yeah. um, a lot of scrambles. You know, it doesn't even have to be designed runs. Like it's going to be a lot of scrambles for him. Big play opportunities. He does have an alpha in Allen Robinson. Uh, and he's got a big play uh, downfield threat in Darnell Mooney for as long as these guys can stay healthy. I think Cole Komet can take a step forward in year two as well. Yep. Um, but with Trey Lance, like dropping him into when, whenever they decide that he's ready to be the full time quarterback in San Francisco. I mean, you, you cannot come up with a better offensive environment. You are surrounded by run after catch uh, dynamos in, in George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Um, you've got a, a, you know, at, at worst, a league average offensive line, probably a little bit better than that. And, you know, a, a, a fantasy-friendly offensive environment and structure under Kyle Shanahan, yep. you know, in which, you know, I don't know, you know, under Robert Griffin, playing with guys like Leonard Hankerson and, and Pierre Garçon a little bit and Aldrich Robinson absolutely ripped up the league. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited for when, whenever Trey Lance gets inserted. The problem is that I just moved Justin Fields ahead of Trey Lance is when is Trey is when is Trey Lance going to take over the job full time? It might not be as soon as we hope. Number one, he just came up with this chip fracture yeah. uh, in his hand. It, it sets him back a little bit. I don't think it's terrible, but it's it, it's not ideal, you know. And and I think it all but ensures that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the week one starter. And then you're talking about a really really soft schedule, um, yeah. especially to open the season. And we don't really see these quarterback. Uh, changes happen until a team starts losing are the 49ers going to start losing i don't i mean could they open the season six and one you know and just roll with jimmy garoppolo as the starter for that entire time period that's the issue that's the obstacle right now with trey lance yeah absolutely but the upside is i'm still with you even if it takes six seven weeks there's tons of bridges and maybe we can cover some of those to get you through those weeks uh but everything you said there the fantasy friendly coach the weapons all around him. And certainly we've seen the arm in the highlights. We It, it all sounds like it, the way the narrative was in 2018 for Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, insane weapons and a great arm. Like, how can that fail? And then you stir in the fact that this guy ran for 1,100 yards and 14 TDs in college, like maybe even more upside. That, I mean, obviously we can't really count on a, a Mahomes 50 touchdown season, but still tons of upside here with Trey Lance if and when he does become the full-time starter. I agree, both well worth those top 10 quarterback rankings I have it the same exact way now do you have like a favorite bridge if you're waiting to get to these guys is there a quarterback you've kind of targeted to allow yourself to get there yeah it would definitely be Jalen Hurts and now Jalen Hurts his ADP um, had really sort of started to really sink for a while there and it's starting to come back up because they the Eagles committed to him as you know publicly as their starting quarterback for week one but I mean, based on schedule, you're talking about opens at Atlanta uh, versus San Francisco. I think in week two could be a little bit difficult. Uh, but then at Dallas versus KC in a potential shootout at Carolina mm-hmm. versus Tampa Bay in a potential shootout. I mean, that's the first six games for Jalen Hurts. And this is a guy that during his three week run 
as the Eagles full-time starter last year was the number three overall fantasy quarterback behind only uh, mm-hmm. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson during that time frame. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, there, there are flaws with, with the Eagles offensive, uh, you know, the way that they have put together their offense, but they've got a lot of speed. I mean, Jalen Rieger, uh, Miles Sanders, um, you know, Kenny Gainwell is a great athlete. Um, you know, Quez Watkins runs four, three, seven, and is just scintillating on screen passes. Yeah. You know, Devonte Smith, he didn't run uh, before the, uh, before the draft, but uh, you know, we know that he's a very good athlete and just, you know, a Keenan Allen-esque uh, route runner. Mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard is a really good athlete. So they can surround Jalen. Jalen Hurts is not is probably not going to be a guy that completes 63% of his passes, okay? But he's going to be a guy that runs, and he's going to be a guy that the Eagles sort of have diagnosed as a player that if they put a lot of speed around him, um, you know, I mean, they can they can play fast-break football. And, uh and again, the schedule is nice. I think the offensive line is nice. Um, Nick Sirianni has uh, the the new Eagles uh, coach has had a, a background of history with a lot of different quarterbacks. Um, he learned from Frank Reich, Frank Reich, one of the best game planners uh, in the NFL. And Jalen Hurts, you know, even though his ADP has started to rise a little bit, he's still a guy that you can get consistently in the double digit rounds. Yeah, I totally agree 100%. In fact, uh, when we had Scott Barrett on here just about a month or so ago, he labeled him his quarterback league winner, the ultimate upside play. And just to quote him in his article, Hertz averaged 24.8 fantasy points per game for four quarters, 11.3 of them being rushing, 25.9 fantasy points per game he started. Uh, For perspective, that would have ranked eighth best QB season of all time. 25.9 would have been fifth best of all time. And 11.3 rushing fantasy points per game would have also ranked the best of all time. So, again, the trend here, Konami upside. It is true that if you can get that running quarterback, it really is a cheat code. I know Rich Rebar has been preaching that for years. And it just I think people are finally starting to wake up. But the fact he's going so late means maybe not. So you could get two of these guys back-to-back rounds 10, 11, and just load up at your QB position, plus that soft schedule you highlighted, like, all in. I'm 100% in agreement. I love that. If you're going even later, it doesn't have that Konami upside. But if you wanted to wait on the quarterback position, you didn't want to burn two you know, top 10 round picks on him. I don't hate Ryan Fitzpatrick at all. I know he doesn't have mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. rushing upside, but those weapons there, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, I'm all in on that, especially the pace that they played. Even mm-hmm. with the conservative Alex Smith, they ranked ninth fastest place, pace, 10th most plays. Uh, and that's, I think, going to only pick up under Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was top 12 in 66% of his games, 22 fantasy points on average over 12 times in those 18 starts with Miami. And that was with nobody to throw to. So I think there's some real upside to him if I'm, I want to wait a little bit more to get my second bridge. Uh, but Jalen Hurts certainly would be more ideal. I totally agree with you there. Uh, we talked about some some risers, and I'd toss out just a handful more names. We're not going to dig in on any of them, but I did rise a ton of my big board. Obviously, Robinson with the ETN injury, Marquez Callaway, just the, all the preseason hype, then also coming to fruition with the performances. Amazing. Corey Davis got a big rise. I said I'd never do it again, and he's risen up as well. Sony Michelle and Gus Edwards as well, two guys that have skyrocketed on my board, and I have a few of them queued up for later. But was there any one of those names that you heard, and you're like, yep, uh, 100%? Well, I think that uh, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, who, who you initially pointed out, um, not not necessarily a preseason riser, but I, I like that you did point him out as another another guy that the, the uh, Washington football team has done a really good job of surrounding with a lot of speed. Yeah. Uh, Logan Thomas, the guy who ran four six coming out, and I thought kind of played slow at the beginning of last year. You know, in his first full season as a starting NFL tight end, but by the end of the year, I think he was playing a lot faster. Um, and he yeah. just he just was more comfortable and confident. They rewarded him with the three year, twenty four million dollar extension and entering training camp. He's going to play. He's not coming off the field this year. He's yeah. going to play 100 percent or like 95 percent of the Washington offensive snaps. Um, Curtis Samuel is a four three guy. You know, Antonio Gibson is a sub four four guy. Terry McLaurin can absolutely blow the doors off. You know, mm-hmm. Diami Brown was a big time deep threat in college. Um, you know, so I, I think that, uh, he was, he's an interesting bridge. And I also, I did this little back of the napkin, uh, ranking in terms of the, uh, fantasy's friendliest schedules in weeks one through six, like guys that might 
start hot. And I had Washington as the uh, the tenth fantasy friendliest schedule uh, in the NFL. Nice. And, and so I think that they could. Say, and you know, people say, "Oh, well, you know, they have a great defense, so they're not going to have to score, you know, a whole lot." And I, I understand that, and there there absolutely could be some truth to that. But also, that defense is going to ca- cause a lot of three and outs, mm-hmm. and keep giving the ball back to the offense. Right. And, you know, giving putting them in good scoring position. So it's not necessarily always the case that having a good defense can work against your fantasy players on the offensive side. Um, there can be some benefits to that as well, especially if they're efficient offensively. And I, I like Scott Turner. I've always liked Scott Turner. Uh, they're, you know, they're second year OC now. Um, and I like the players that they've got around uh, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. 100% agreement. Absolutely. I'm glad we're on the same page there as well. So again, get those rushing rookies, even if they're not starting, bridge with Hertz or Fitz, and you're going to be in some good shape. That's 100% my plan at QB. We covered the, the risers. How about fallers? Is there any one to two players you want to single out as someone that just really, uh, you know, unimpressed you or whatever was going on around him just dropped on that 150 for you? Um, and Cortland Sutton, I think, uh, in 2019 was just sensational. Um, he was very good in fantasy, but he could have been a lot better. Uh, but he kept drawing these OPIs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he drew like, I think it was like 12 OPIs or something, you know, and um, that, you know, you, you don't get fantasy points for OPIs, but that's how tough to cover he was. And then he tears his ACL and, you know, I think that Drew Locke would have been a better option as it right. pertains to Cortland Sutton's fantasy outlook. And you hear from the beat writers, just inconsistent performance from Cortland Sutton coming. And it wasn't just an ACL. It was, um, it, I think it was ACL and an MCL. So not a, not a, a cinch recovery. And I think that Bridgewater is going to really hit it off with Jerry Judy and potentially mm-hmm. even KJ Hamler more than he does with Cortland Sutton, who, you know, maybe, maybe, I think Cortland Sutton maybe starts the season slow, picks it up a, as we move forward. Um, but I, he he was a faller to me. Okay. Now, did I, I was in agreement. I had him certainly, I, and I still think Judy. I love that call. I think he's the clear alpha and he mm-hmm. fits Bridgewater's style. Like, no no disagreement there. I saw you have him pretty aggressively ranked, and I love it, like 48, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And I, yeah. I'm right there at like 40. I think I have him at 50. So we're in, in complete lockstep there. I did. I had Sutton quite low, but I bumped him up a, a solid 20 after last week. I don't know if you saw that kind of highlight clip. And again, one highlight clip, I don't want to mm-hmm. overreact, but he cut on that hurt knee. He didn't even have mm-hmm. the brace on and just changed direction. And it ultimately also caught a touchdown later in that game. Does that kind of help your opinion at all of him? Or are you still like, eh, I'm not going to overreact to that one highlight play? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's two two snaps, you know, yeah. in the preseason. Um <laughs> When I look at preseason stuff, I really try to focus on uh, where guys are on the depth chart as opposed to their actual performance in in the games. But I mean, there you know, there's something to take away from that. I you know it, it, and also Sutton's ADP has come down enough that if you're in the right draft, um, he could end up being a value. I mean, people people are you know share skepticism on him. Um, Again, I, I think he's a baller, but I also think that. He may be, you know, they may be kind of understanding that he is, um, you know, he might not be part of the future in Denver because mm-hmm. he's in a contract year. They've got Noah Fant. They've got, you know, Hamler. They've got Judy. And, you know, they're going to have to sign these other guys. And Corlin Sutton, um, you know, this might be his final year in Denver. Could be the odd man out. Certainly a lot of mouths to feed, and who knows if a, a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, while serviceable, can he can he feed all these guys? Right. It is definitely a fair point indeed. Well, yeah, now I'd love to dive into some of your, your bolder rankings that I either love or want to know a bit more about, uh, not necessarily disagreeing with any of these, but some players I may not have covered as much. And I love both. The reason I want to dive into these two rookies, or not rookies, rather, but two players, Michael Pittman and his sophomore, and then Rondale Moore, uh, in his rookie season is I love the talent and I'm a little bit lower than what you have them as, but it doesn't mean I'm opposed to bumping them up. I, I haven't talked about them much. I'd love to hear kind of your case as to why you have these guys within your top 100 and what you're kind of expecting from Pittman and more. Well, um, 
Pittman has been on like a roller coaster. Uh, I, I, I moved him. Well, I had him like ranked very conservatively initially and then went, suffered the foot injury and um, I moved Pittman way down mm-hmm. and then Wentz kind of recovered quickly uh, and then Hilton went down. And right. so Pittman has been back on the way up. I think he's among the top 40 receivers now. And he, he is somebody that I'm very willing to draft, um, you know, that when I take him, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it because right. I think that his game meshes with Carson Wentz's uh, because Carson Wentz is, is a guy that's always been willing to throw the ball into tight windows. And Michael Pittman is not necessarily a big time separation receiver, but if you give him a chance, he can go up and get it. He's physical. He's strong. He can be good after the catch. He could be a big time red zone weapon, you know, T.Y. I mean, he, you're talking about a three receiver set of, of Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, who we've always liked his potential, but he, mm-hmm. you know, he always gets hurt. And then Zach Pascal, who's like a league average. I mean, he's a good fourth receiver and probably a bad third receiver. Yeah. So, um, and then at tight end, you know, you just got a big road, you know, a big carousel. So Michael Pittman has a chance to take a really big jump yeah. in year two. And I like his fit with Carson Wentz uh, with Rondell Moore. Man, I just he's he's a baller, man. He yeah. he, he really reminds me in, in playing style of Austin Eckler. Uh, mm. Yeah, and I know he's going to play slot receiver for Arizona, but he's like he's small, he's rocked up. Um, he hasn't played football like since 2018. I mean, he's played seven games over the past two seasons, but knock on wood, he's been healthy throughout training camp. And it seems like they're ready to expedite him. Like he jumped AJ Green and Christian Kirk, like. Like that, yeah, you know, and that's the kind of talent that he is, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I think I think he's still a stud, but he's you know he's starting to get there up there in a little bit in age. And Rondell Moore is the kind of player that they could make. They need a number two playmaker badly. And I mean, look, I like Chase Edmonds. I don't think he's that guy. You know, I don't think AJ Green is that guy. I don't think that um, Christian Kirk. I'm Christian Kirk. I've always liked Christian Kirk, but he hasn't stepped forward as that guy. And it seems like they want Rondell Moore to be that guy. And that puts him in position to be a, a guy that, you know, could catch 75 balls and, and, you know, get 25 rushing attempts and be a guy that we're looking at as a, as a flex play every week in, in an offense that's going to rip off a ton of plays. They're going to play really, really fast. They're going to score points. Uh, absolutely. And that's a really interesting comparison the Eckler to uh, to Rondale here. Like, what if something happened to Chase Edmonds? Right. Would he ultimately step in at running back for a bit and play uh, that, that? I don't think so. Role? It'd probably be James Conner or Eno Benjamin or. Oh, yeah, uh, true. Yeah. Eno, yeah. 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 But uh, it, but it hey, probably would be. <laughs> it probably would be, but it might increase Rondale Moore's rushing attempts. I mean, just right. increase his touches, period. Right. Because, exactly. you know, he, he's a guy that. I think he had, I don't know, 30 rushing attempts, at least uh, in college, you know, over a a career where he really only played one season. Um, But he was dynamic on those. And he's just he's a dude that you want to get the ball to. Yeah, absolutely. I I still have visions of that day. He took down Ohio State as a freshman. I mean, against an elite defense and just single handedly, they had no answer for him. And I know college doesn't necessarily translate hundred percent that defense, but I mean, that is as good of a defense as you would have found in college. And he single-handedly took them down. That's the type of player. And let's reiterate as a freshman, as a know. freshman, right? Exactly. Like breakout age insanity yes, sir. right there. I mean, I love Levitin too. He tweeted out how Rondale Moore, he's racked up nine targets on only 47 snaps in addition yeah. to three carries. So like that usage rate is insane. Yes, that's without Hopkins, but still they clearly are force feeding him the ball. They've taken so many stabs at wide receiver the last couple of years and they continue to because they haven't found their guy. He's, he should fit exactly what Kingsbury wants to do. I need to bump this guy up. I'm I'm in 100% agreement. And Pittman, too. I, I've been reading a lot lately about how this Colts, like they've retransformed their identity around Jonathan Taylor and now Pittman as well. So physical. They keep highlighting that word you used. I keep reading that over and over. They're loving how much physicality he's bringing as a blocker down the field after the catch. Like that's the stuff your coach loves and eventually wants to reward, too. So I'm with you. I, I think both of those guys could really bring break out in big ways. Um, so I'm, I'm, I got to bump them up. I have my rankings, no doubt about yes, it. Yes, you do. Wolf. Yes, you do. <laughs> and I'm not even too low on them. I'm like right around the ECR yeah. on them, the ADP. Yeah. But I, I want to be above on these guys. I want them to be people that my, my readers are drafting for sure. My listeners. Uh, so yeah, I, I need to give those guys a little tick up. 
Um, and some guys that I'm with you, I have these guys ranked in lockstep and I kind of think it's a philosophical statement at the running back position. I feel like there's obviously this big drop off. We're all aware of it. We all know the running back dead zone. And then you hit these like rounds eight, nine, 10, and it's just, it's tough to sift through. Uh, but based on your 150, you're targeting the same exact guys in that range that I am in Sony Michelle, AJ Dillon, and Tony Pollard. So can you maybe go over kind of what is your approach? Like, why are those your guys, even though a lot of them aren't guaranteed workloads right away? Uh, why are those the type of guys you're going after at that stage of the draft? And what do you like about these three? Well, if you look at what the Rams gave up for Sonny Michelle, first of all, um, and they gave up a substantial amount. Go read Jordan Rodriguez, one of the best beat writers in the game. Uh, she covers the Rams for the athletic. Uh, her assessment of, you know, just what led the Rams into um, going after Sonny Michelle, number one. And it was just like a, a little like avalanche of events, you know, where Raymond Calais, who, you know, it doesn't really matter, but he broke his foot, and all of a sudden, you know, that cuts down on the Rams' depth. Um, uh, 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 Daryl Henderson, who they really have never trusted to stay healthy, suffers this thumb injury in practice. And it, it's not a severe thumb injury, but it's enough to be like, you know what? Like, yeah. we don't have anything. We have Xavier Jones, who's never had an NFL carry. And we, we've had, we, and we have Jake Funk, who, like, barely even had any college carries right. as, our, as our, our two and three. And they're like, we, we have to make a move. And so that spurs them to make a move. They wound up trading what um, amounts to a fourth-round pick mm-hmm. for Sonny Michelle. That's a lot to give up for any running back, especially this late in the process. You know, usually right. this, this time of year, I mean, you're getting running backs for seventh-round conditionals. They gave up what amounts to a fourth-round pick for Sonny Michelle. He jumps. He was very good last year in a very limited sample size. Um, but he jumps into a great offensive environment. Rams are returning, I believe, all five starters on the offensive line. They're going to be efficient offensively. You know, Stafford's a big upgrade on Jared Goff, I think. Uh, gives, you know, Sean McVay full access to his playbook. And, you know, even if Sony Michelle is, I, I think at very least by like week three, Sony Michelle and Daryl Henderson are sharing work evenly and Sony Michelle might be the favorite for goal line stuff. So I, I mean, I have some, you know, people be making fun of me sometimes for drafting Sony Michelle in the seventh and eighth round. I'm like, F you, I don't care if I have a chance at a lead back in the Rams offense, like in the seventh or eighth round, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking it. Uh, AJ Dillon and Tony Pollard are almost in the same boat. You know, you can, you know, the deal they're, they're behind established starters they're in very good uh, offensive environments. We think both can play. Tony Pollard has absolutely shown that he can play. The thing with Tony Pollard, like, A.J. Dillon is not better than Aaron Jones. But Tony Pollard, like, might be better than Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> I, I, I think he is, you know. Um, so I, I like drafting both of those guys. I've had some drafts where I draft both A.J. Dillon and Tony Pollard in the same draft as my like RB two and RB three, you know, after uh, securing like an anchor RB up top, you know, we, we get down to like the seventh, eighth, ninth round. I'm taking these guys. I also really like to take Raheem Mostert. Remember we, that was our biggest disagreement last year. Remember about Raheem Mostert? And we were both kind of right. When right. he was in there, he can ball it out. Okay. Yep. Yes. But <laughs> then he got hurt. So, you know, I kind of ended up looking a little bit right, you know, but we were both right at the end of the day. Our, neither of our analysis was off. I like taking Raheem Mostert this year, though, because, yeah. you know, you don't have to take him in the fourth round anymore. You could take yeah. him seventh, eighth, ninth round. And I think he's an excellent RB2 to open the season. Week one against Detroit, like, look Ooh. out, Raheem Mostert, baby. You yep. might take two to the house. I, I think he will. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. A lot to unpack there. Well, I guess we can start with Mostert, our guy. As you said, we were kind of both right, despite the the sports car is what he is. He's so fast. He might, He's probably going to break down at some point. But those yep. early week games to bridge you to a Javante or a potentially Sermon, get the both backs right there. And if he does break down, you get the next one. I love it. Too fast to 
carries of last year in the first two weeks before he got hurt. I mean, he's electrifying. I think we both saw it. I don't know if you watched that preseason game when Lance was in. Those cutback lanes were just insane. And, I mean, you give this guy space, he's got to be as deadly as any running back. I know that might seem crazy, but that's speed. No, that's – I mean, that is – like, you go back to his original spark score. Well, I remember, like, when – like, all right, so Levitan and I – really got into preseason DFS right about the, I think it was when Raheem Mostert was either in his first or second year in the league. And, you know, we were just looking at backup running backs that might get a lot of playing time in a, in a preseason game. And we were like, you know, well, how do we differentiate these guys? Oh, well, you know, let's just, let's bet on the guys who have like great athletic testing. Mm. And Raheem Mostert was a track and field star. Right. And, you know, like out, out of Purdue, and we we're like, man, you know, all the other Eagles running backs are hurt. Like, let's go with this Raheem. We have no idea who he is. Uh, Levitan was pronouncing his name like he was French, like Raheem Mostert. <laughs> yeah, and and he wound up winning us a ton of money. And ever since then, we've been huge uh, preseason DFS aficionados. Um, he, he, he's better than me. Uh, but, you know, they, it, that's what really got us. That, that was our first really big win. Raheem Moser just goes off in this preseason game. And ever since then, we've really liked him. We did, we were off him when he was going the fourth round last year. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, you know, he slipped to the seventh round for a minute and we started taking him and we did get a couple big weeks out of him. Uh, but this year, hey, you know, every time, bang, you know, keep hitting the button in the eighth round. I'm 100% there. And the one thing I didn't even realize this either about Trey Sermon, he's got like a pretty extensive injury history too. I think everybody's narrative is like, oh, well, at some point Mostert's going to get hurt. So Trey Sermon's going to become the bell cow. I looked it up and I was kind of stunned to see how many different ailments he had throughout his college career. Why can't that narrative get flipped? And Sermon goes down. And I guess they'll always have a compliment to Mostert. I know he's more of a speed guy. But if he jumps up to 15, 20 carries a week for however long he lasts, and I think that's what it will start the year as too. I'm with you 100%. I think you, you nailed the, the head on A.J. Dillon, Tony Paul. There's not much else to say there. But with Sony Michelle, to reiterate what you said, like he looked good in his limited work. I mean, he was setting career highs in all efficiency metrics. Yards per carry, 5.7. Yards per route run, 2.38. Yards after contact per attempt, 3.41. Career high elusive rating. I mean, highest grades as runner and receiver by PFF. And he ranked top 10 in pass blocking as well. I mean, the guy certainly could play. I think there's a narrative he's washed but as a Pats fan I've been watching him all last year when he got work he looked good this entire preseason might be the best he's looked besides that playoff run where he was going nuts like and the Rams certainly saw it firsthand what this guy can do when he's full you know at full health during that playoff run they've been top 10 in rush TDs the last four seasons all of them under McVay top 10 in rush attempts and yards three out of the four and now the probably the most explosive variation of this McVay offense we've seen yet it could be nuts. Like, God, well, I mean, I've been getting him in like a lot of drafts and now you're making me feel like I should have him higher. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm a hundred percent in like, and, and as you mentioned, Henderson, he can't stay healthy. I think Schefter even called, you know, Sony Michelle, the likely lead back. Yes, I, he did. There's just so much upside for around nine, 10 price. Like I'm going in round eight every time just to make sure I get him in all these drafts I've been doing. I, I think he might be the single biggest, like if there's going to be a round eight running back that you don't even have to wait for an injury for. And, and certainly there's the injury prone starter ahead of him. I, I mm-hmm. love Sony Michelle right now. I'm, I'm in lockstep with you a hundred percent. One of the guys we'll move to a couple guys that I want to hear your take for sure. Cause I've been banging the Nick Chubb drum for sure. I love this guy. I noticed, you know, most people have him inside their top 10. You have him outside the top 20 at, uh, I believe, 22 overall. So I want to kind of dive into that and see, you know, what has you a little bit lower on Nick Chubb? Is there something I'm missing that I need to reconsider? I, I hate speaking uh, ill <laughs> of Nick Chubb because I really do love him as a ball player. Okay. And I, I, I love the Browns. You know, I, I've been on the Browns for years since – the Sashi Brown years, and you know mm-hmm. it was it was tough, yeah. you know, and we were we were, it, it was challenging, <laughs> um, you know, and I mean I remember they uh, the 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 pick that they used to acquire Nick Chubb or to draft Nick Chubb, they traded Brock Osweiler for that pick. Wow, um, you know, or, or yeah, so or no, they acqu- they acquired Brock Osweiler in that pick. That's right for the cash right. considerations. Yes, right? yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just got ripped to high hell for that. 
mm-hmm. and they wound up getting Nick Chubb. I mean, it was absolutely worth it, you know. Oh, yeah. And I know that running backs don't matter, but man, Nick Chubb, like he does matter, you know, oh, yeah. more than most running backs. Okay, the thing that is is problematic. Well, there's are several things problematic about Nick Chubb, and he's going to average over five yards per carry, and he's probably going to score double digit touchdowns. He's not going to catch many passes. Uh, and they also he doesn't he's not as big of a workhorse as you think, um, because even last year he had only one game over 20 carries. Mm-hmm. They use Kareem Hunt a lot. Kareem Hunt is good. Yeah. And um, they, and they're also they're they're smart because they you know, they're forward thinkers in Cleveland and they don't want Nick Chubb to get hurt. And so it's smart for them to limit Nick Chubb. And it's smart for them to limit Kareem Hunt. And it's smart for them to use both of those guys. And that's what they're going to continue to do. Um, and that's not great for fantasy. I mean, I have him as a, you know, a second-round fantasy pick. I just think that people are um, convoluting uh, real football uh, efficacy with fantasy football efficacy and he has i mean he's going to be okay in fantasy he's going to be fine um but he's not he's not going to be a, a league winner uh because he's not going to catch passes and that's that's a really really big deal i mean you you have to be derrick henry leading the nfl in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns in the same year uh to be a true difference maker he's not going to do that because they're not going to give him enough carries because they've got kareem hunt there so uh, he's he's overvalued in, in fantasy football. He's an excellent, I mean, excellent, maybe, you know, probably a top two running, but actual rusher yeah. in real life football. And you, you got to be able to separate those two things. It, it is true. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And, and it scares me a bit in the sense that you, you had the same kind of argument as also Scott Barrett. I know I referenced him earlier, but there's not two minds that I, I respect more in fantasy than you two guys. And both of you are against Chubb this year. I don't know, though. He, to me, he's kind of that outlier that along with Derrick Henry, maybe the only two guys that I would, even though they don't catch passes, still sack up that first round no. pick regardless. He's of not the- an outlier though, Wolf. I mean, Derrick Henry, they would give him 30, you know, 30 carries in a game. Right. They, they're not going to do that with Nick Chubb. That, that's the thing. That's why he can't be an outlier. Um, and that's even true. if, even if Kareem Hunt goes down, like they'll give work to Dearness Johnson. That, that's I mean, the problem. That, that's the I problem. hope not. They, they might. No, they and will. They, they like, Dearness Johnson. They, I mean, they like Dearness Johnson. I, yeah. He's and he's looked okay as well, but okay. So yeah. even if they don't up his workload, I mean, last year the guy finished RB seven in PPR points per game, RB five and a half, RB four in standard. Uh, and especially during he'll, that, he'll finish time. fine. He's just he's not going to score. Uh, you know, he, he's not going to have these boom 25, 30 point weeks that right. you know when you know when a dude rushes for you know let's say ninety yards, runs for one catches six for you know 65 and scores another one as a receiver like that kind of thing is not within Nick Chubb's range of potential outcomes and that's why he belongs at the end of the second round I I don't want to talk any more trash about (laughs) Nick Chubb because I fucking love the love the dude okay good to watch yeah I know he's a baller he's a baller. yes the only other point I'd add too is I do think that defense has gotten even better and oh, so the grips might be in his yeah. favor. I, I agree. They're probably never going to give him those 30 carries, but if the scripts are positive and he's just hammering teams late, I, I don't know. I still could see that like crazy, maybe not Derek Henry level, but 1400 yards, you know, 14 or so touchdowns, 12 TDs in 12 games last year. He's an elite scorer. And the one thing I owned him last year, they were really cute with hunt and him early on in the season. Then, then Chubb got hurt. But after that stretch, those 10 last weeks, uh, or from week 10 on, rather, they, they really started to hammer Chubb at the goal line. There was no more taking him out for Hunt. And that made a huge difference. I mean, he didn't go below, I think, 17 fantasy points. And as you're saying, he didn't go up to like 35 ever. He never had any of those insane, I'm going to win you a week by myself weeks. But it was always 17, 20, 25. And to me, that still has its own value. Maybe not quite as much as in like a best ball where you need those those huge spikes. But season long, I'm still in. Uh, I, I'm going for him still. But I, I get the case. I get what you're saying as well. And Scott Barrett, as I said, you know, another brilliant mind that said the same exact thing. So 
I want to reconsider it, but I love Chubb too much. I think I'm going to hold firm all right, on it. All right, all right. And see how he goes. <laughs> um, now, another uh, disagreement. We have a couple more. I know we're, we're getting up to about 40 minutes here, so maybe one, maximum two more I want to cover with you. But the Steelers receivers, I noticed, you. I have Deontay. I love the guy at 42 overall, whereas you have him at 59. And also Claypool I have up at 57 versus 75 uh, compared to you. So it seems like you're a little bit down on the passing attack um, as a whole. So I kind of wanted to dig in and see, you know, what has you a little bit lower on these guys, despite some pretty big seasons last year. Yeah. Uh, the guy uh, delivering them the football <laughs> probably. Yeah. Pretty important. <laughs> yeah. No, um, they, they have, they, I think they showed some things that maybe uh, made me question my, um, my, my take on them as an offense this preseason, Matt Canada mm-hmm. is an interesting guy. Uh, he's going to run run a lot of motions and shifts. You know, they've been very vanilla uh, over the past few years. And Ben is always in the shotgun. Um, you know, they they just kind of do the same thing. Like, it's Ben running the offense. Mm-hmm. And now it looks like they're going to incorporate some more progressive ideas from the new OC, Matt Canada. Um, and they had, they had some moments where I was like, wow, they look kind of good. You know, they yeah. even the offensive line, which I – the offensive line is just like – thrown together in Pittsburgh. It's not all their good dudes are either gone or retired. You know, they had a good offensive line there for a while. They lost Mike Munchak and they lost like pretty much all their good offensive linemen. Yeah. Right. Um, And so, uh, but, but still I, you know, I have a lot of skepticism. First of all, they had an ownership, a mandate from ownership to go back to using the running game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so they drafted Najee Harris in the first round. Uh, they drafted uh, an offensive lineman uh, or t- I think two offensive linemen sort of in the, the earlier to uh, middle rounds. Um, they, uh, you know, they're and they're and they're emphasizing uh, running the ball more and bringing down their pass attempts. Now, last year they had a very high volume of pass attempts and they were quick pass attempts that really benefited Deontay Johnson. He had 144 targets and he still was well under a thousand yards. Mm. Um, I think he's, I think he's okay. I, I, I think he can play, you know, I, I like Deontay Johnson. I think he's overvalued in fantasy, especially if he's going to be that inefficient, mm. he's probably going to be more efficient because drop passes do not correlate necessarily year to year. And he had a ton of fucking drops yeah. last year. Right. Um, but I think that their team pass attempts are going to come down. Uh, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to play offense like they did last year. Mm-hmm. They're going to give the ball to Najee. I think Najee's the guy to get. Yeah. You know, yeah. Najee, every time I look at my rankings in the first and second round, I'm like, should I move Najee Harris higher? You know, like how how high can I actually get him? Does he belong in the first round? Um, I think I have a middle – I think I'm like 16 overall right now. But I think about putting him in the first round every time I look at, at my rankings. Um, I'm with you there too. Yeah. But like I, I have him, I think projected out stats wise as my running back eight, but I have okay. him ranked at like 60, I right. Exactly what you're saying. Okay. I guess on that, just a quick question on that sidebar. Yeah. Like the decision I often find myself in in round two is Mixon versus Najee versus Gibson. Do you have like a clear cut answer to that? Cause I struggle very hard with that one. Uh, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't No, They're, they're all right in the same tier. Um, right. It's tough. Yeah. And I, and again, I, I don't care about the offensive line as it pertains to Najee Harris. Like if he averages 3.7 yards per carry, I don't, I don't care at all because he has a chance to get like 300 carries and, you know, 60 catches. He caught 80 pass over his final two uh, seasons at Alabama. You don't see that from a big back at Alabama very often. No. You know, that's, that's a, a great trait. And if you look at, look, like you've been running uh, routes, you know, not just catching checkdowns in the preseason, like they have big, Mm-hmm. They, they want him to be Le'Veon Bell. And I don't know if he's going to be that good. You know, he's definitely not going to have the offensive line assistance that, that you know, allowed Le'Veon Bell's patience to just be, a, you know, a magical trait. Um, but he's going to get an awful lot of touches. He, he could lead, you know, uh, it's tough to beat Christian McCaffrey, but he could be number two among all running backs in snaps played. Mm-hmm. This year, he's not coming off the field. Anthony McFarland just went on IR. I'm putting him in the fucking first round. Yeah. After we're done with this, I think I'm, I'm joining in the first round. Okay. We'll do that together. We're going to be in lockstep yeah, with yeah, that. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm going to, at the very least, I'm going to boost him as high as I can. The McFarland thing does matter because McFarland looked like he was locked into number two 
mm-hmm. and he uh, was going to get change of pace and uh, some passing game work. Yep. And I mean, now he's on IR, like Najee Harris going to eat touches. Yeah. Uh, what, we were talking about the wide receivers though, but uh, I I, we're just game. talking about the construction of the offense, right? Exactly. So right. I, I think Claypool is going to be inconsistent, but man, he's an alpha Right. Um, and then, you know, Juju, Juju and, and Deontay Johnson are like almost the same guy. Yet Deontay Johnson goes like, you know, his ADP is like wide receiver 24. And then Juju's is like wide receiver 34. I think that they're very similar. Um, I'm just kind of staying away from from the Steelers uh, receivers, though. Yeah. And, and it's a very fair argument. It's, it makes complete sense. There's no way they lead the league in pass attempts again this year when they add a back like Najee. And even if they did, Najee is going to eat into probably 90 of those targets. So I totally get that. And they, they sustained three top 25 receivers last year. No way that happens again. I guess I'm just banking on Deontay's role remaining consistent. It seems like Big Ben always loved this guy. Yeah, Double digit does. targets in every He gets game. open. That, that's the thing. He gets he open. You know? He's so good. Like that little slide. Right. He's just so smooth in the open field. Wins and, early in the route. Yeah. Makes himself available. You exactly. know? He's a comfortable target. He really is. And Even I though he drops that everything. Changing. Right. Exactly. I mean, he averaged, what, 12.2 targets in games that he didn't leave in the first quarter because of injury. Wow. Now, I don't know if that's going to continue to happen, if he's going to keep getting hurt and be gone. That happened three separate times last year. I hope it's an anomaly. Uh, but either way, in the fifth-round price, I'm going to pay to get that. If there's one of these receivers I think is going to still maintain that role, to me it's clearly Deontay. So I, I get exactly what you're saying, though, and I'm going to certainly be bumping Najee Harris up. After uh, after this conversation, I'm with you. Uh, full full go there. Well, Evan, this was amazing. I know we're at the 45 minute mark. I usually wrap up, and, and I know you said you got to get to your 30 shy away. Mm-hmm. I do usually wrap up with a rapid fire, like 15 questions, quick gut reaction. Do you have time for that, or do you got to get out of yeah, here? Yeah, no, let's do it, Wolf. Come on. All righty, let's do bring the it, uh, no it. huddle offense. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll start in order. The first three picks of every 2021 draft should be. Ah, oh, man, I mean, this, you know, depends on scoring format, et cetera. I mean, so just say, you know, in, in, you know, your basic home league, I think it should be one McCaffrey, two Cook, three Camara. Travis Kelsey should go no later than pick number. Absolutely should go top 10. The next Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen's going to be. Ooh, uh, how about uh, Herbert? Ooh, I like it. Yep, that's my pick as well. Yeah. The rookie 101 should be. Ooh, geez, I haven't even thought about this. Um, give me a second. Let me, I'm going to cheat here. Uh, it was the, the lock answer for so long was Jamar Chase, and I think a lot of people are starting. Yeah, to it's Najee. Najee. It's Najee. Yeah. Najee as well for me. I like it. Who do you think is going to be the biggest rookie flop of this class? Oh man. Um, um I'll go uh in year one. Shoot. <laughs> Biggest rookie flop. See, you know, th- this is the time for optimism, you know, and we Right. It, it's actually it's hard to build a bus list right now. It's hard to build the, the shy away. Because it's the it's the time for optimism, and then mm-hmm. when you know when the shit hits the fan, like you know there are going to be busts by week five. Uh, the biggest rookie flop will be. Uh, I hate, I hate to shit on these guys because I love these dudes, but ah uh, uh, man, I'll say um, I hate this Devonte Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, I just it, it, it's going to be an inconsistent passing game as a whole. There are, you know, a lot of mouths to feed in Philly. Uh, I think that they're going to be really good on the ground and not super successful as a passing offense. I think Devontae Smith's going to have moments. I, I, I really like Devontae Smith, but I don't think that this is the sort of environment for a rookie receiver to flourish. Mm, intriguing indeed. Who do you think is the current, and I guess you could go former if there's somebody that pops to mind more, but NFL player that you hate the most? <laughs> I don't hate players. Uh, I, I don't. I don't hate players at all. Um, Fair enough. We is, is there a, you know a player that I have rooted against? Uh, 
It's so funny how like Tom Brady was the easy answer for so long. Yeah. And then we went to Tampa Bay and now everybody loves him. It's classic. Yeah. Um, it's all good. You can always pass on any. Yeah, I, I, I want to give a, I want to give an answer. I just, I got to think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could even be fantasy wise, like someone that fucking just burned you and you're just like, screw yeah, that. Yeah, but I don't care. I don't, I don't think like that. <laughs> good for you. Cause I, I don't have that type of willpower. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think people, you know, think like that early in their fantasy experience and then, you know, they start to get a little bit more mature. Yeah. A <laughs> uh, guy that I didn't, I don't like, man. Um, I don't know. I'm going to have to pass. I don't know. No doubt. No worries. Do you have a mid-rounder in mind that you think is going to ascend next year into those early rounds of 2022? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, mid-rounder. I mean, Jerry Judy, absolutely. I could see him being uh, – you know, all of a sudden being like a one-two turn guy next year. I love that one. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll go with him. Love it. What about an early rounder, that one or two, that you think busts the hardest? Like who are you fading in those early rounds the most? Uh, it's Nick Chubb. I mean, you talked about yeah, that one. <laughs> it, it's, it's Nick Chubb. And, you know, again, I, he's, he's a ball player. He, he's an excellent player. It's just uh, the the environment, the situation is not conducive, conducive for him to be, uh, you know, hit, hitting like a really big ceiling. Absolutely. Do you have a late round league winning running back receiver or tight end? Any of the positions in mind uh, that pops up to you? Well, late Tyson round? Williams, uh, mm. the, the 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 floodgates have started to open. You know, the sea has started to part for Tyson Williams um, because it looks like the Ravens are not going to bring anybody in. Although, you know, again, we got, what, eight days until the first Thursday, 11 days until the first Sunday. That mm-hmm. could absolutely change. But, you know, they said they're not going to bring in uh, – they're not going to sign Todd Gurley, who they tried out in June and they're familiar with. Uh, so Tyson Williams right now um, is a guy that I'd be willing to reach for a little bit in drafts 10th, 11th round um, because he's number two in line for carries – behind Gus Edwards, who I, I like, but it has not, is not proven as a bell cow, you know, and, um, you know, in, in like the best rushing offense in the NFL. I mean, yeah. Tyson Williams is the definition of a guy that, uh, you know, a definition of like, he's the perfect sleeper. I mean, he's in a, in, in optimum situation for a 10th or 11th round pick. I love that one. I saw you had him at 130 on your big board. Yeah, I got to move him up, actually. Yeah, that's that's a great case right there. Oh, man. I might have to go drop Ramondre Stevenson and go pick up that guy anywhere. Uh, Ramondre is in a good spot, too, though. He is. Try try to drop somebody else. All right. Uh, (laughs) I know. I love them both. Oh, man. What do you think has been the most important, like, training camp or preseason development so far this, this preseason? The most important training camp story uh, as it pertains to fantasy is. Um, hmm. Well, I mean, stuff involving Dallas, because Dallas, if, if everything comes together for them, like they should lead the NFL in points scored. Like they are that talented at every position on, on offense. I mean, they are being loaded with and they have good depth. You know, they, I mean, you know, Zeke goes down, they got Tony Pollard. Well, if now if the quarterback goes down, they're screwed. But, right. uh, but you know, they, they all these backups uh, that they have on the offensive line got a bunch of experience last year. If somebody up front goes down, they, you know, they can rely on one of them. Um, they've got two tight ends that they can play and Blake Jarwin and, and Dalton Schultz. You know, they've got, um, e- even if Amari Cooper misses time, they got Cedric Wilson who can play. You know, they've get, they are loaded offensively. And um, the biggest training camp is, is how is Dak going to – he had two surgeries on his ankle slash leg. Right. And he also needed two MRIs on his throwing shoulder, which is terrifying is. for, um, you know, for a quarterback. So mm-hmm. uh, that, that's that been the biggest and, – and we don't have answers to, to that story either. I know. Um, you know, yeah. So it's it's a little bit scary, but I mean – you know, the, the cost on those guys has, has stayed with the exception of CD lamb and probably Zeke Elliott. 
the other guys are pretty all pretty affordable in drafts. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. That's, that's going to be an interesting one to see how that all plays out. Well, among this great class of sophomore running backs, you got Gibson, Taylor, Hilaire, uh, Robinson. Who do you kind of like the most of those guys? Who would you draft first and who would you put the bottom of that list? Uh, well, Taylor first uh, by a little bit over Gibson. Uh, Edwards Hilaire, though, is the guy that um, because his ADP has been sinking, I mean – I've got him late second. You can eat, you can consistently get him late second. Sometimes you can get him in the mid third. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that, I mean, the, you know, the Chiefs invested a first round draft capital in him. You know, his backups are, uh, you know, Daryl Williams, and he was like just a designated pass protector, and Jarek McKinnon, who's, you know, essentially a journeyman at this point. Um, you know, in the best offense, you know, probably in the league, you know, or at very least the top three offense. And right. so the the discount on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who last year was a consensus top seven pick by the time that everything everything ended, now you can get him late second, definitely mid third, maybe. Mm-hmm. He has become a guy that you know I really have my eyes on. Who do you think is the first receiver you should draft? Well, I think it's a three way race between uh, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, and. Uh, I'm blanking now. Devontae Adams got to be right. Yeah, Devontae be. Adams, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have Tyreek Hill as number one. Nice. But, you know, I get questions all the time about, hey, you know, what if I took Stefan Diggs as the first receiver? I'm like, do it, bro. You know, just yeah. they're they're in the same tier for a reason. Right. Um, and Devontae Adams is, you know, the Devontae Adams has the, the least target competition of mm-hmm. all those guys. And then – um, Tyreek Hill, I mean, pulling Sammy Watkins out, that removes target competition from him, you know, and, uh, and Stefan Diggs plays in, in the third preseason game, the, the first 18 snaps of Josh Allen, Yes, they, they 17 pass attempts and one rushing attempt. Like I I've heard that, well, first of all, the bills were number one in situation neutral pass rate last year. And I've heard that they want to throw the ball more this year. And so I, you know, it's a coin flip. I love it. And just for the record, too, last time you came on here, you were all about Josh Allen. I know you were everywhere on all your stuff, but uh, you made the, the great point that they traded or they swapped Robert Australian for Sex Foster for uh, exactly, Stefan Diggs. Yeah. I think it was the exact quote from last year. Uh, not a bad uh, take at all. You had him at quarterback four last year. He finished as a quarterback one. So that was a fantastic take we got out of you last year. Yeah. Uh, what about the coaching hire that intrigues you? That we have two, two, three more fantasy questions. What's okay. the uh, coaching hire that intrigues you the most of this year? Definitely Arthur Smith, and mm-hmm. it's not just how it pertains to the Falcons, but how it pertains to the Titans. What's going to become of the Titans? Because the Titans are replacing him with Todd Downing, who had one previous year of experience as an OC with the Raiders. His team finished thirtieth in rushing attempts, and we know mm-hmm. what the Titans did over the past two years with Arthur Smith. Just putting the ball in Derrick Henry's belly. Yeah. And then how is it going to uh, impact the, the – the, and, and now the Titans are incentivized to throw the ball more. They just got freaking Julio Jones. They got Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, okay? They're in, and, and they have a terrible defense. I mean, they're not going to be able to rush the passer. They don't have anybody good in the secondary. They're, you know, they're going to give up points and they're going to have to score points. This week one game against Arizona, Tennessee, Arizona, is going to be mm. the chalk – for investing uh, DFS uh, plays yes. in. I mean, this is going to be – and I, I already bet the over. I, I I probably haven't bet enough on the over. It's at uh, – the, the point total was 52. This is absolutely a 35, you know, 37-30 game. Yes. And absolutely. The, the Cardinals don't have anybody in the secondary either. You know, it's just it, – it's really working out. It, it looks great on paper. It looks really, really hot on paper. Um, God, what was the question? I, I totally lost my no, it's most, thought there. most intriguing coaching hire. And I think it's oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, and then, and then how does Arthur Smith, uh, exactly. joining Atlanta, right? Uh, it, I think it can make a big difference. I think Calvin Ridley could lead the NFL in air yards. I oh, think yeah. that, uh, Kyle Pitts is going to be, you know, uh, he might have the best rookie tight end season of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Mike Davis is in a good spot. 
and, and Arthur Smith with what he does, because he's, I don't, I don't even know if he really invests in, in analytics, but I know that he is a progressive mind and he does really smart things, whether it's based on analytics or not. I think that it is. Um, he's going to, he's going to maximize the, the players that he has. Mm. And um you know, I think that a guy like, you know, Hayden Hurst, you know, could make some big plays over the course of this season. I think that Mike Davis could catch 60, 70 balls. I don't think they're going to run. I think from a form, formation standpoint, the Titans or the Falcons are going to run a lot of two tight end sets, even three tight end sets. But they are not going to be a run heavy team like uh, Arthur Smith's Titans were there. Mm-hmm. Arthur Smith is smart enough to know that his personnel is much different in Atlanta and uh, I think that he's going to make the most of it. I love it. And last one here. What is Evan Silva's boldest 2021 oh, fantasy shit. football prediction? <laughs> Do you have anything in mind that pops through, like a player and a stat line for him? <laughs> um, also, I mean, this is not that bold, but I, I think that I don't understand how DK Metcalf lasts to me in the, in the late second round every single draft that I do. So mm-hmm. I'll say that he's going to be the overall wide receiver one, DK Metcalf. That is overall wide receiver one. <laughs> I love um, it. I, I don't. I, I don't know why he la- why he goes late second every single. I mean, this is a guy that people should usually are like reaching for. You know that that sort of you know insane talent. Mm-hmm. I, I think AJ Brown could finish as the overall wide receiver one too, and I have them right next to each other. I actually have AJ Brown ahead of DK Metcalf, but. Um, I don't know. I'd look if you if you can have if you can start your draft with Christian McCaffrey and then come back on the at the two three turn with AJ Brown, DK Metcalf. Forget oh, about it. Shit. All right, send it home. <laughs> send it home. Uh, oh. That that's that's my absolute optimal start. It wouldn't even matter what you did. From there. <laughs> exactly. <right? laughs> that's amazing. Auto well, draft I mean, I the rest of it. Exactly. I always like to wrap up just by asking you: Do you have a role model in the industry that you'd want to shout out before we sign off here? I mean, uh, a role model in the industry. I, I mean, I, I learned so much from Greg Rosenthal when I first started at Roto World. Um, that was a long time ago. It was like 15 years ago. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that anybody that really worked at Roto World during their, those years, and there were a lot of really talented writers that have gone on to do uh, great things elsewhere, uh, would cite Greg Rosenthal as one of their Roto uh, role models, if not their number one role model, we used to have battles, like absolute fights, like emotional, passionate fights on AOL Instant Messenger. This is how <laughs> big of a boomer that I am, and that he is—he's older than me. So shout out to uh, Greg Rosenthal, but uh, you know he, yeah, I mean he—he's um, he, a builder, you know he, and he—he he really did. He—he uh, he built Roto World up, and he's built uh, around the NFL up, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, so much respect for him. So he would, he'd, he'd be number one. I love it. And we'll just wrap up again saying thank you so much for the time, Evan. Why don't you just remind our listeners where they can find you, find your work as if anybody listening to me doesn't know where you are, but still, why don't you give them one last reminder of anything you'd like to promote before we head off here? Yeah. Establish the run.com at establish the run. Uh, come check us out. If you are a serious fantasy player, um, we have just an incredible amount of content and, um, some great writers working for us and, uh, you know, great uh, projection people and people that have won a lot of money playing DFS. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we have a, uh, we have an excellent staff. And I think, I, I I think that everyone that that has signed up uh, has been uh, very, very much rewarded. Absolutely. And I, and I being one of them too, I've loved the content. It's very, it's just since I found you guys last year and uh, it's amazing. I, I cannot emphasize that enough. So Evan, well, thank you again so much for the time. I really, really appreciate it. Best of luck wrapping up your preseason here and best of luck when the season hits, man. Thanks so much, Wolf. And we'll do it again next year. I can't wait. It's always a pleasure, Evan. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your night. All right, bro. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much, everyone out there, whether you're new, whether you're a long time. We've got definitely some repeats that have come to all of them. I appreciate that. But also all you new people tuning in, probably because the big dog was here. I love it. Uh, thank you so much. If you enjoyed what you heard and you, you don't mind giving us a thumbs up, YouTube or Facebook, a heart button on, on Twitter, shares out, you know, helping us grow would just be so greatly appreciated. I will be dropping my guide. I've been hinting at that. I know drafts are already in full swing, but hopefully if you have a league left and you want to consider support, 
supporting us. I will be dropping that guide. I think I'll make the price pretty cheap because at this point, I know most of you have either drafted most of your leagues or uh, only might have one or two left, but it would mean the world because we're trying to get some dev money to get new stock profiles, all that great stuff. So consider potentially supporting us at rotostreetjournal.com. You can find all the content we breed and feed you fantasy wolves and the fantasy fullback dive our podcast. I know some people asked about podcast forms, show notes at ffbdpod.com. If you want to find any episode notes from the past, so appreciated likes, reviews, subscriptions everywhere is just means the world. If you consider doing that for us, thanks one more time to Evan Silva. What a legend. Uh, the fact that he wants to do it annually, I it's the best. Like I could talk to that guy day in and day out about football. I love picking his brain. I love you too, Jake Knight. Thank you guys. You like the there. I mean, so many great players here saying that you took Kelsey at seven. Awesome. But guys, thank you so much. I wish I could dig into those, but it is time to sign off because I got to get this guy up here. So thanks again, guys. Uh, best of luck in your drafts coming up. You know where to find me at Roto Street Wolf. I'll do my best to hit any questions you have coming up. And certainly if you're willing to support the site and get a guide, I'll answer every single question you have. No doubt about it. But you guys are the best. Check it all out at rotostreetjournal.com. And in a world full of fancy sheep, guys, be the wolf. Later, guys. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second down, third effort, touchdown, oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.